Throughout history, free thinkers have outraged the religious with their wacky ideas about the virtues of free speech, reason, and of course, eating babies. Now, God is dying, and it's time to dispose of his remains. From the pits of hell, Satan sends two puppets of the imperialist West and the Zionist Jews against God, Islam, and tiny kittens to bring you their propaganda and conspire for a new world order. This is Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment with Ali Rizwi and Armin Navabi. Welcome everybody to another episode of Secular Jihadist for a Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi and with me is Armin Navabi for the first time from Wait, an undisclosed did you, location. did you just say Armin Namazi? I said Navabi. Okay. Sorry, I'm just... Okay. Yeah, that's in the Bobby. And from an undisclosed location, right? Or you don't want to, yeah, undisclosed location. It's too late for that. I'm in Philippines. <laughs> it makes you sound badass. Yeah. And, and okay, so I'm just going to get ready. Hey, Sarah, how are you? How's it feeling? Good. How are you guys? I'm good. We're very excited that you're back on the show after, you know, such a long time. You were recently on the Bill Maher show on Real Time with Bill Maher, but that was only preparation for this so uh you know we're very happy that you finally made it and no awesome. actually the gratitude is all ours yeah. so for those who don't know and who've been living under a rock our guest today is sarah hader uh, sarah hader is the executive director of ex-muslims of north america um uh, she has she was just on uh, real time with Belmar, as we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago and we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things and uh, right now she's organizing a conference that's in uh, actually next week, in just mm -hmm. a few days, mm -hmm. October 19th, uh, Saturday, October 19th in New York City, When Rights and Religions Collide. Mm -hmm. It looks absolutely, absolutely amazing. Uh, the web link and the URL is rightsandreligions.com. And we're going to talk about that as well um, as you come on. So first of all, Sarah, the first thing I think people want to know. Oh, by the way, yeah, we also met and we hung out in Amsterdam. That was yes. a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yes. That was a lot and, of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. I, I so I want to talk about the um, your TV appearance on HBO first because I know that everybody wants to hear about it, and I'm going to tell you a really tiny story. Okay, is that when I went when we were all in Amsterdam, I was hanging out with all of these these ex Muslims and the next generation are really good looking. So there's yeah. Harris Sultan, <laughs> Jimmy Bungash, Armin Navabi. These guys are getting up at eight a.m. and hitting the gym, and they were just coming and telling me all this stuff about, you know, Ali, come on, you got to work out. You're getting really fat and all this stuff. And I felt so bad that when I came back since then, I've cut sugar completely wow. almost out of my diet. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Except for the, <laughs> except for one night, the night when you were going to be on Bilmar, I sat down, put my kid to sleep, made sure nobody's going to bug me. And I got a bowl of chocolate and peanut butter ice cream. And I had that while I was watching. It. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> Because it was a special occasion. It's something I've been waiting to see for a very long time. Just, you know, so just sort of one of us going on a mainstream national show. I've been watching Bill Maher since the 90s. I'm a very old man since he had the politically incorrect show. So, I think it's fantastic. Can I also add something before you go? Yeah. I just, I just, I know Sarah, I know so many people have been talking about this whole HBO thing with you, and I know it's been repetitive for you, but I just want to mention that I, this is a big deal for a lot of us, like, I, and I can't imagine how many other ex-Muslims out there that can't even speak, and can't even reach out to you, can't even post about it for them to be able to see some, somebody 
go and just be introduced as an ex-Muslim, like even before you started speaking, the fact that on a, such a mainstream level and such a, you know, with uh, on a show with that many audience, somebody came out and said like, oh yeah, this is an ex-Muslim, uh, you know, founder of ex-Muslims of North America. I think just, just the introduction by itself was a huge like you the whole point like one of your main one of the main points of ex-muslim ex-muslim of north america is to normalize it and i think that yeah. was normalized being an ex-muslim normalized leaving islam and i think just w right after the introduction i think we just leaped forward like 10 steps just by just by the introduction right and then everything yeah. else was just amazing i mean you were amazing throughout the show but I don't know how, who's responsible for getting you there, but thank you on behalf of all the people that can't tell you that they're grateful for you being able to do that. Uh, thank you to you and your entire team that made that possible. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, it was just, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It was kind of wild to get to get to go on. I mean, I, uh, it, Definitely from a normalizing perspective. I mean, I would love to get to a place where this is not, you know, that, that, that I don't get to be introduced that way because it doesn't matter that anyone is uh, ex-Muslims of anything, you know, like that would be, that would be a wonderful world, you know, and right. I would love to help build that world so we can just all move on. Um, and like, you know, I mean, this is an identity that for me, it's not an identity, really, truly. And when people call it an identity kind of irks me because to me it's just this label that i'm putting on temporarily for political purposes truly i mean we need rights we don't have the right to life um, in many parts of the world and we are ostracized and abused and all sorts of things like there's such extreme stigma um against leaving religion in muslim communities that you know if, for now this is something i'm putting on while we don't have a right to live freely and why we don't while we don't have a right to 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 you know practice and um you know to speak without fear mm. of retribution um so this is just a label that i have for the moment i would love to right. not feel the need to to put it on and to to, to represent a movement, you know, at some point. I mean, that's the real goal, right? Like, right. and I think that's, any charity group says that, that I would love for to, to create a world in which my charity is not necessary. necessary. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and how, but so just, how did it come together? No, but, but just to point out, like, be, right now, the label ex-Muslims is necessary, but we're using it yeah. in the hope for one day it, become, it becomes yeah, unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. It becomes unnecessary. unnecessary. Absolutely. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So I, how, how did it all uh, come together? Like, just... Um, I don't know. I mean, okay. their producer reached out to me. Um, they've been wanting me on for a little while. Um, mm. I don't know exactly how they heard of me, but must have been through multiple things. I'm sure they do a lot of research. Um, and then they told me, well, they have this date or we can figure out sometime next year. So if this doesn't date, I mean, they guess they book like very, 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 very far in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was just great that it happened to work out at a time where we had the Awesome Without Allah campaign. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so, it, yeah. it, you know, it, the timing was great. Um, and so I was yeah. um, I was thrilled to say yes. Um, I mean, it, it was just one of those experiences where I feel like it happened to somebody else, you know, like it didn't actually happen to me. And I remember because I watched the show as well, like all the time I watched yeah. the show. And then I, you know, the way 
Bill says, you know, I was talking to Muhammad or someone about it, um, you know, the way Bill says, like, and, you know, my guest for you tonight or whatever. And he introduces everyone in this very specific way. And then he turns to the guest. And I have yeah. that that whole like motion, those words and that motion I had to memorize in my head because I've watched the show so many times. And then I was on the other side of it and I was watching this little set and I was waiting, like they were like ushering me like go, um, you know, I was in the in the back and they were like, oh, and, like now he's about to introduce you. And then he said, you know, you know, and my next guest, whatever, he said my name and I walked up. And then from there, from that point till the end of it, I don't even know what happened. It went by like, it went by like a second. It went by so quickly. Like I have no idea what happened. Mm. Um, I mean, the whole time I was so nervous. And I think people, a lot of people who've watched me a lot um, and like know my mannerisms and how I, how I behave um, knew that I was nervous. But I think, I hope that people who don't know me didn't know how nervous I was. Mm. Um, but it obviously, was, it went by it, very quickly. Um, I was a little bit on edge uh, because of the way that the questions were asked because they're not really planned so intensely beforehand. And sometimes mm. I've, I request that, you know, in a, in a conversation. But with the live, I mean, one, that he's watching the time. The whole time there's like a little clock that's like ticking down. Wow. So he's watching, like he knows, like on the other side, like with the, with the audience doesn't see, like we can, we he knows that he has a certain amount of time that he has to get through a certain, you know, these, these such and such questions. So he's moving you along. And yeah. I kind of felt like I didn't, you know, I prepared as best as I could, but I couldn't get a lot of the things that I wanted to say said. And it wasn't, that wasn't Bill's fault. That wasn't, you know, I don't, I don't really blame myself. I blame myself a little bit, but not like too much, mm -hmm. but it's just definitely the format is very um, difficult. Well, it's, it's a five you minute know? interview. It's a, I mean, that's the problem with TV, right? Like, yeah. It's like yeah. five or six minutes for that segment. But I, I think I also watched Overtime afterwards, and that's actually available for everybody to watch on, on YouTube. Uh, yeah, and the, even the Overtime yeah. one was weird, though, because it was like yeah. some questions for me, and then, you know, and then we started talking about Trudeau and Brown's face or blackface or whatever <laughs> he was doing, and then it turned into a race conversation about black fathers with Andrew Sullivan um, oh, yeah. and Heather McGee, and I didn't. I had things to say about because they, they, you know, they. You had, had something to say about brownface, Sarah. About the true stuff, only, like about the the only brown about, person on the panel. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did. I did I have know, Yeah, I was. I wanted to participate, but then it got in. Then it got to be this very personal thing between the two of them, and I just felt like I don't have a. I don't have a space to push in, but I guess you really have to be very aggressive and like elbow your way into the conversation. Yeah. And it wasn't just me. It was this other guy in the middle too, who was um, Tim. I think his name was, who was just sort of like, uh, like I would like to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well, actually, yeah. this is something that I think you you, you are getting um, better at, like when it comes to directing the conversation in in the way you want. Because I remember in Amsterdam, um, when I mean we get to that later, um, that that the conversation was not, you know, they they were asking very dumb questions and the, the whole thing got very boring and i always feel like people waste uh having you on the panel because when you're on the panel there's you have so many interesting to say um uh, and people don't ask the right questions for you to say them but were you happy with the questions that were brought up at the hbo like are you overall satisfied with the uh direction of the conversations and the things that you got to say obviously it's not perfect but overall were you happy i'd give it a b, b? you know 
Okay. You basically you talked about the hijab and the company, different companies like uh, selling hijab sport products. You talked about the billboards that XMNA has up. You talked about the growth of the ex-Muslim movement, which we'll not get into that because we talked about that many times already. So I think overall, like it was pretty diverse, and you, in I mean, it was five minutes, and you touched on yeah. Three. It was it was. It was so hard because I had to, you know, in my prep, I was like, okay, what are the most important things that I have to say? Right. And which meant not saying a lot of really important things, you know, it meant right. picking the top, what I felt to be in for this audience in this moment to be the most important things to say, which was actually a really, really difficult thing for me to do because I can talk, I have 20 topics, 30 topics, 40 important things that all feel like they're super important. Mm. And I was really conscious like of going up there and knowing that for a fact, and I already know, I know this did happen where there were ex-Muslims who were unhappy with the way that that I approached oh, the issue, right? There were there were there were there were people who were unhappy, but I think it's also like what you said. It's the uh, doing something new, you know, right. and exposing ex-Muslims on a bigger scale. And then, you know, it was it wasn't really until I, you know, until a couple of days before um, the 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 episode that the 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 filming or shooting that I it I, it hit me that. Oh my God! There's going to be a lot of people who are definitely going to be disappointed with the choices that I make here, you know, because they're feeling like I'm going and I'm representing them, and I always flinch at the idea of representing anyone. I mean, I don't. It's not me, you know. I don't want to. I don't want to represent a group mm -hmm. of people, um, and I think there's something about people who kind of put themselves on the stage and say, you know speaking as some a member of the blah 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 community like yeah. there's something about that that i find distasteful and yeah. i find that to be you know i mean it's one thing for me to say i am a ex-muslim you know an ex-muslim right and there's a lot of people like me and here are the political rights here are the whatever and to generally talk about the issues versus mm -hmm. versus painting yourself as an authority and it's kind of a weird thing i know for someone in my position to say because i think i can probably very fairly call myself an authority on these issues just by virtue of being executive director of yeah. you know, the biggest ex-Muslim organization around really. Um, but, but, but still there's something about it that I, that I find to be distasteful and I don't like doing. Um, and yeah. so th th that was definitely something on my mind. And as to your point about panels being boring, you know, I mean, I've sort of made it for not the, for the next them. year, not all of them, but you know, the next year, I'm definitely going to limit my my um, appearances in general and and conversations that I choose to have. I mean, a lot of people want to go have me on, and then they just say that it's the same conversation. You know, every time it's the same conversation, mm -hmm. and I just feel like that's not valuable anymore. Um, so um, I have had the benefit of speaking to some really interesting people and having interesting conversations more recently, you know, just as my, I guess my audience has expanded a little bit, but I, I had a, a podcast with um, this woman named Julia Galef. She's really interesting. Her podcast is um, uh, called uh, rationally speaking, I believe. Um, which is very interesting because it's, she's she's a very thought provoking person. She's very intellectual, and she had me on, and we never we never we we just touched on some issues, and then just went off on somewhere else. And it was mm. um, one of my favorite conversations, precisely because of that. Precisely because I felt like 
you know, for the first time, I wasn't trotting the same similar ground again and again. I mean, we talked about, you know, we talked about uh, ways of having, you know, civil discourse, um, responsibility that one has Mm. as an activist to be intellectually honest and whether that gets in the way of actually being a good activist (laughs) or being an effective activist, which I think is a really, that was a point where Julie and I, I think Julie was surprised by my answer, you know, because I think she expected me to say that you can be a very effective activist and be 100% intellectually honest. Mm. Um, She expected me to say yes to that. And I said, no, that I think that there are trade-offs that you have to make in order to be, um, to be able to appeal to a broad base, activate a large group of people, mobilize a large group of people, and still be as deeply nuanced as you want to be, hmm. um, you know, and I, I think I think there are trade offs to be made there, and they make me as a person deeply uncomfortable all the time. And this is something. This is why, like, as a, the role of a, of an activist is just not something that fits me. I think at all, it's just something that. <laughs> like I am now <laughs> for lack of a better word like this yeah. is just what my life is but it's certainly it's I mean it's a role that I find doesn't suit me and my personality but perhaps that's a good thing you know actually you um, know what that's a that's a really good point because I noticed that a lot uh, when uh, activists go into politics like for example Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez oh you know God. like Don't and, bring that up. and Ilhan Omar no please uh, stop these people <laughs> Uh, hear me out. Okay, okay. Just, oh my God, this is okay. like name. But what they do, I mean, I'm not praising anybody or denouncing them. I'm just saying that when these people were activists, right, they could say all of this stuff because they had this audience that were representing an audience of, say, like Ilhan Omar is representing Muslims. So she would say all this stuff about Israel. And then through that activism, she goes into politics. And now she, the same games don't apply. She yeah. can't go out now. She's representing a much larger community, or she's representing herself. I mean, this whole thing becomes an issue, and uh, now she can't get away with all the stuff that that I, she could before. I don't and agree, it's, uh, but I don't agree with you guys. I don't agree with Sarah. I do think that we have many examples in history of people that were extremely nuanced, uh, and yet were also the leaders of uh, huge activists, La Voltaire. Right? Who, who who was it? He was he wasn't an activist in the way we would call. No, but, you know he was an intellectual was, is not the same thing as an activist. No, but he was right? both. writing a he pamphlet. Was, no, no, no. He wasn't leading people on the street and mobilizing them. Was that what he's, was he, he doing? He was hiding people in his house. Right. Okay. That's, he was going. That's, to, not, that's not what I mean. That's not. What I, I, mean. I, I mean. I yeah. mean. Um. You know, marching. I mean. Uh, you know, that that's not the same as being an intellectual leader or being mm. part of an intellectual tradition. I mean, then you can say all philosophers are activists by that degree, but they're not. All philosophers are not activists, even though even if they've What's led the definition an intellectual of an act- movement. What you ha- do you have to have marches to be able to be an activist? Like, is that the standard? I think activist activist means activist means that you have certain. Um, you know, you see the world as having certain policy or social problems, like social ills, mm-hmm. and you are working on the ground with people, with politicians, with whoever you need to work to to to, to make those changes. Voltaire, 
that's not, no, but that's not the, but that's not, but, but I think I would say, no, 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 I would say Voltaire was not primarily an activist. I wouldn't even call him secondarily an activist. I would say he's a, he's a philosopher. He was and meeting he was, with politicians trying to change policies on the ground. Are, as well. I mean, oh. Let me, let me add to that. I, I agree with Sarah here. So okay. an activism, there's an element of community organizing. Okay. Right. And when you're talking about community organizing, you're talking about pleasing a lot of people all the time. Mobilizing, right? I mean, right. the yeah. word is mobilizing. Right. That's right. very You hard. have to mobilize. Now, for instance, if someone is a writer or just a, that's what they're doing, then they're just writing about their thoughts and what they think and they're doing it honestly. And they don't really have to worry about getting donors or, or getting more and more people and not pissing off certain people. They, they Which, what, what activists okay. have to yep. do is they have to get a big group of people together. Writers don't have to do that. So right. There okay. Is... But mobilizing, Walter did that when he came back to Paris. When he came back to Paris, the entire all of the was city was. That no, wasn't but the primary person. He 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 got he got so angry with one of the kings or princes. I forgot that he wasn't following. He stole the 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 guy's painting and then he got arrested for it but again anyways i, I don't want to get in i, I don't want to i disagree with both of you but no, no 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 this is an example so the example of voltaire's one i'm not enough familiar with voltaire's life to be okay. able to counter that point okay, okay um but i do think but i do think in general that mobilizing people is something that requires um dampening of nuance um yeah. and and framing things in as as easy to digest Slogans. Um, yeah, slo slogans are by their very nature, I mm. think, simplistic. Yeah, and like they're they there's a, there's an element of anti-intellectualism about I, sloganeering. I understand. Right? I'm just saying there are few peoples in his in history that manage to be intellectual and yet phrase things in such a powerful and beautiful way that appeals to the masses as well. There are few and far in between, and Voltaire was one of them. Voltaire was popular among intellectuals and the masses right he wrote he wrote their yeah, exception he wrote stories overlaps. he wrote he he communicated in stories and also very nuanced conversation but i don't think i mean regardless it's not whatever i, I it's it's kind of strange to bring up an example of someone so so long ago because activism yeah. back then is not is not activism okay. today and you're not mobilizing the same group of people in right. any case you're definitely not i mean so, they're Okay, go ahead. Question though, I do, uh, wh when you said people were unhappy with yours, what did they say? Oh, a lot of different things. I I, I don't remember because it just I just let it slide off of me because okay. I knew it was coming. But a lot of different people had a lot of different problems. Um, Any of them? Good? I think in Any general, of them legit? I think in general there was there uh, what I noticed that I took note of. Um, was that there were there were some people who were upset that I didn't focus as much on just ex-Muslim, like just the apostasy stigma specifically, like we're dying, right? Like we're you that, did. We, there was a death penalty. I mean, I did, but there's some people who thought that because I immediately pulled it back and I said that there's we're talking about a broader problem as well. We're not just talking about the specific problem oh, of ex-Muslims okay. being murdered on the streets. Yes, of course that's happening. Yes, apostasy laws, but they have a broader, you know, um, effect on the intellectual discourse. So I pulled it back and I think that were I think people were not happy that I that I made the conversation broader, but I thought for my you know my purposes. I, I think that's good that because important. we're not we're not we're not constantly trying to play the victim card, and I, I I appreciated you actually doing that. But can I give you a better criticism that actually applies? All right, let's do it. Okay, okay. Yeah. You know the <laughs> the part that where they say like you know you mentioned that the New Zealand thing where the women were wearing the hijab, 
that was not a good idea. That's not the best way to show solidarity with the victims of the shooting. I agree with you that. But then you said, suggested something else. You suggested mm -hmm. that maybe use zakat to give to charity. That would be a better way of doing solidarity. And, mm -hmm. I, and, I, and I don't agree with that. By the way, I might be completely wrong about this, right? But I just mm -hmm. don't want, I don't like, you know, when, when religions do good things, it, they're using it as a branding for a lot of horrible things they do. It's like a sugar coating for a poison pill. And zakat is one of those things, right? And I do want to completely remove, like, the religions survive by, by pretending that to be able to do good things, taking care of orphans, being nice to your neighbors, having any sort of morality, doing charity, that's a religious thing. At least they're doing that. Yeah, they're doing suicide bombing, blah, 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 all of that stuff, you know, molesting children. But hey, there's a good side of it as well. They're doing charity, which is nonsense. This is just a PR front of religion. And I don't like religious branding of charity, because, especially because how often it's misused. Religions don't do religions do charity, and it often it's often done in a poor way. And the whole point of zakat is to bring money towards the ummah, right? And it's used for religious reasons, especially for in countries like, for example, in Iran. I don't like to promote uh, Islamic branding of charity, and I want to show people that not only charity is possible with that religion, it's often charity is often better with that religion, right? And that's why I don't well, want to... So, yeah. I'll push back on that. Um, and uh, so, uh, the fir first of all, the reason I included it, and this is just a tangential point, we'll move on, but mm. the reason I included it was just to show that there's, don't make better the enemy of best kind of thing. But like, but you know, in, in there are, a way, there's a bad way to do it, there's a slightly better way to do it, you know, mm. or there's just a positive way to do it in general. In my opinion, the thing to, to have done, the best thing she could have done, you know, the better thing is Zokat, the bad thing is wearing the hijab. Uh, the best thing of all would have been to say, look, I'm not Muslim. I don't agree with anything that's in these books. And yet, um, I think, you know, these are these are citizens of our country and what's been done to them is horrific. And I stand with them and I stand by them. And I think that would have been even, yeah. I think that would have been even better, you know, just to talk about, uh, well, there's, there's these, the, the, we have expectations of, um, you know, f freedom to freedom to live, freedom to practice, freedom to speak in this country, and anyone who is targeting Muslims because of their beliefs is anti. You know, it's it, they're they're actually going against Western values, totally. and they're they're attacking those values. And I think that would have been that yeah. would have been the best thing to do. I mean, right. That would have been the best thing. But there's still a better thing that <laughs> she's not going to do the best thing. And we, I think. I'll bring it up as an option, but I think that from from the very from from the point of view that Jacinda Arden was you know coming from, where she's not coming from this very deeply rooted um, like let's uphold civil society norms. She's not really thinking about it that way. She's thinking I want to show the Muslim community I care about them. That's her main motivating factor there. Mm. So that's why I gave her this better option. But so that's whatever. Good, that's the good yeah. but, I, but I honestly I think that's a worse option than wearing the hijab because the because. Um, the, the most dangerous part of Christianity is love your neighbor. The most dangerous part of Islam, I think, is be kind to orphans or give zakat. That's more dangerous than the rest of the thing because... If I, 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 let me I don't so. agree with you. I don't agree with you. Just this sugar-coating thing. I mean, I think that's all... That's, yeah. 
Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Sarah, Sarah yeah. answer that, and then answer we're gonna we'll, we'll move on from. But there. can I give you an example Sarah before you part. answer that? Imagine if imagine okay. if Hitler, right, did all the shitty things that he did. Hitler. Just a second, okay. Ellie. He did all the shitty things that he did, and the Nazis did the Holocaust, and all the six million Jews, past the gypsies and the gays. I don't forget the gypsies and the gays and the handicaps because most people just remember the Jews. But all of those people were killed. But he, on top of all of that, on top of all of that, he also went to poor people in Germany, and he had pictures of himself feeding them, giving them food, bringing them gifts. I think if Nazism included that, if Hitler's story included that, it would have been a much more dangerous ideology. I'm so glad that when you look at Hitler's life, there's very few things that positive that you could find. Because if you found just a few drops of positive here and there, Nazism would survive a lot longer. This is why communism lasts a lot longer. Because communism, if you just okay. look at it, if you just look at it, it just sounds so fluffy and beautiful. Like, oh, it's about equality and poor people bringing poor people and making them equal. So it killed communism survived longer, even even though it has killed more than Nazism, because it just by just a surface of it, it has a lot. Of, it has the sugar coating. Nazism mm -hmm. doesn't. Nazism is so purely evil that there's no. There, there, it it didn't survive. It didn't survive in power for for, for half a generation. It it only survived half a generation to be in power. Right. I'm not saying yeah. Nazism gone, but I'm just saying so, Islam and Christianity and all of these things. These sugar coatings. That's what makes them survive. Right, it's not the hijab. It's the hey, let's like kill the coffers, but also take care of the orphans and give that cut. These are what makes these religions more dangerous. Anyways, I'm gonna stop. Yes, yeah, so, well, go no, on. No, and then no, well, here's the thing. So yeah. I mean, you you have a very interesting way. So what is in the end? What is the religion? I mean, is it is it Islam? Just there. What it really is is the poison in between, and the the outside is just. Outside is just this uh, dressing on top that's really not part of Islam. It is part of Islam, and that's what makes right. it a dangerous. So it's not a sugar coat. It's not a sugar coat. It's not a sugar coat. It's part of the pill, right? And the pill yeah, itself the... is bittersweet. Well, the pill, right? the sugar coating is part of the pill. No, but a sugar coat. <laughs> no, no, but sugar, but the effect of a sugar coat. The reason you have a sugar coat is to make the bitter part easier to swallow. I feel like that's not true. Like I think that's a that's a that's a way to look at religion that would miss. Um, why religion is so appealing to people? It's not. A, it's not a trick. It's like, aha, gotcha. Like, here no, it's good not things. by design. No. It's a survive. It's not like just because it made it survive. It doesn't mean that some people sit down and like, how could we make? How could we make this <laughs> evil thing like make people accept it? Like, aha, like it wasn't like that. It was like it's just like the survival of the memes. They survive because they have these beautiful parts in them, not because somebody intentionally said like. Let's well, I actually it. don't think. I actually don't. I, so, so one, one. Uh, uh, disagreement I have there is I don't think that's why religion survived um, is because of the beautiful parts. I think the beautiful parts is just um, well, it's, it, it's, it's it. used primarily for PR purposes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, on the other hand, it also allows us to use, you know, Muslims to use like they have, everyone has good moral, you know, tendencies and it's, uh, it, 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 it sets you on a path to, to feeling like a good person, to doing some good deeds, your good deed of the day, um, in a way that's responsible from a Muslim perspective for your community. But I don't think I don't think that's anywhere near the thing that keeps religion alive. I don't think that I don't think it's the charity, or I don't think it's these. Oh come on! Um, if it hadn't, yeah. if it, if it, if Islam was purely evil, of course it wouldn't survive. No, 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 no! It's not about purely evil. It's a um, 
literally something like charity is not if, if you deleted zakat right now as a line item <laughs> like from the things that are <laughs> from from islam you know um i think you would it would still be an extremely yeah. no, uh, but not just that but if you take all of the fluffy rainbow and butterfly parts out then it wouldn't know, last I don't, but i don't, I don't really? think the fl fluffy and rainbow parts are the reason people are there no okay yeah. I, I think that is that is one way that that an individual Muslim can feel good about being a Muslim, mm. and can you know um, yeah exactly you know, so, one way that I'm, yeah but, who, but I don't think that's because, why they stay in the faith. No, I don't think that's why they I, stay I, in the faith, and I don't think that's the main appeal of the faith either. No, but it would that's be so hard. Arm, so, let's out, so let's cut out zakat. Okay, what okay, else? Okay. What are the what are the other fluffy parts that you orphans. think are useless that are just they're just no, sugarcoating? They're not Islam. useless. Of course, you should take care of orphans, but I'm just saying okay, right, right, right. sugarcoating, sugarcoating. But even if you know, I I really think that there are a lot of these. I I think the main appeal of religion is something so much deeper. Right and. I worry that when we're just focusing on these specific parts of it, that we're not providing people with um, something that can act as a substitute to this deeper question that they have and to this deeper sense of I didn't um, say, though, that that's the main appeal. I understand that the main, the main appeals are not that. The main appeals are community, sense of belonging, sense of significance. Meaning uh, and purpose. And all, of, and all of that. And all of that. I understand. I just said that... It, I understand that that's main appeal, but it would have been very difficult to see this as a source, see Islam or Christianity as a source of all of that. If once you look at it, there was nothing beautiful that you could hang on to to say, yeah, yeah this is the answer. You need I, I those bells. I don't agree. I, I, I just think, I think people would find a way to be a part of it anyway. I mean, there are a lot of, there are other cults and religions that haven't, that don't have what? Uh, a charitable, char charitable sectors, Scientology, let's say, but cults in general, oh, generally well, don't Scientology, have the same kind of thing. Like, I'm looking at the ones that became so big and survived for hundreds, thousands of years, obviously. But there, are, but there are a lot of reasons. There are a lot of reasons they survive for thousands of years. But, I think, and Scientology I think it, has, I think it functions Scientology has, well. right, it functions in that PR sense. Hmm. If it, 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 it has a PR purpose. I don't think an individual Individual Muslim looks. I mean, were you when you were a Muslim? Would you when you doubted? Were you like, oh, but Islam has zakat? Like, did that but, matter? But, but to anyway, you Scientology. Like, no, no. Yeah, I did. Okay, Scientology has a lot of things sugar coatings. By the way, like um, people's mental health, taking care of it. This is the right way. People don't understand. Uh, we can't. You know, anti psychiatry. Yeah, anti psychiatry. Yeah, because they say they have the answer. People say like we, they're against misery. They're against people's sadness. It sounds fluffy. It's uh, they all, they all have to make it sound beautiful. You, you all, no, but I mean, again, that. you keep you keep saying it in a way where you said that I don't think it's by design, but then you yeah. still use the phrase "sugarcoat," which means that like it, it, it a sugarcoat literally is by design something to make a bitter right. pill go but, down. But it looks like it's by design, just like just like in evolution, when you look at animals, it looks like it's by design, even though it's not. And we like, oh, why does an uh, why do we have eyes to see? Well, it doesn't work like that because it wasn't intentionally designed. For I, us I don't to see. think the charitable. I don't think the charitable inclination of religions serve to like their primary function is to be a PR mechanism or even to be to to to, to help people feel good about their faith. I think their it's their the purpose is something else. I think their yeah. purpose is. I think their purpose is to inculcate a. 
um, a more right a, a, a common like a, a common culture of uh, but that's not what giving I'm to others. But that's that, that's the that's the real reason. That yeah, that but I'm not saying that was the original reason. I'm just saying what it, it what it ends up doing. Again, it's the other way around. But again, Ali was Ali okay. is really trying Guys, to move on. Guys, I we gotta move. Yeah, we're gonna move this along. And I kind of, <laughs> I uh, you know, I from from a perspective of showing solidarity, I do think I, I kind of am more on Sarah's side on this as well. That's fine, but, <laughs> Armin. I don't know why that's happening today. It's really crazy. That's but, okay. No, this so, is fun. I, I want. So, so I wanted to actually just talk about you know how you were saying that people are upset. And this is a general thing that I kind of want to touch on before we moved on to your organization and your event, which I want to talk about, um, is that, well, I'll put it this way. I did a long time ago, I did a TV segment too. And uh, I had mentioned the guy had asked me something like, well, you know, what is, what is it like? Do you worry about your security walking around? So I had mentioned something. I was like, you know, it used to be a lot worse many years ago. You'd have to worry about what you said. But now um, I've noticed that people are getting more and more comfortable with criticism of Islam and they're more accepting of it. And when I went back, I had loads and loads of messages slamming me. They're like, you know, what do you know? I have to look out for my security and things like that. So there are people, for instance, who may say that, well, Ali, you came from a privileged background. Well, this probably applies to you, too, that you came from a privileged thing. Your parents accepted you and so on. And it's not like that for more of us. So it comes down to that representation thing. So you know, when you're heading an organization like you do, um, how how do you deal with that that kind of criticism? That kind of criticism that I don't that I don't reflect ex-Muslims, yeah, the ex-Muslim experience. You can only represent yourself. You can't represent. Yeah, everyone. I mean, for, for the the first thing is well, how to know? You know, how to know? And uh, I would say that you know, next to Muhammad, Sayyid, um, I probably know more ex-Muslims, like literal numbers-wise, and I've heard more stories than possibly anyone, um, just because of the size of XMA and all the people that we've screened and all the people that we've that we've um, worked with throughout the years. Um, but it's still hard to gauge truly what the experience is of your every everyday ex-Muslim. So there is. Um, the ex-Muslim that joins XMNA, that's a certain kind of person, and they have a certain kind of experience. That might look different than the standard ex-Muslim. They don't join XMNA, they just exist in, you know, the Western world somehow, right? And maybe they don't feel the need to join. So they could, it could be that they're so liberal, their families are so liberal, they don't feel the need to join. It could also be the other way, where the families are so conservative, they would never dream of even looking up, typing up ex-Muslim onto their, you know, phone, right. right? So there's a lot of reasons why we might not represent um the the standard ex-muslim experience so, so i mean not to get too deeply academic about it but you can go and think of a thousand different reasons why why you might be you might feel hesitant to say that you represent anyone's experience and unless we have a perfect poll that's spanning all throughout the muslim world there's no way to know but i can safely say i think from what i do know that i am i i have had a relatively easy time of it compared to other ex-Muslims yeah. that I've worked Same with, here. you know, and I, yeah, and I just, I hear the kinds of stories that just chalk me, you know, and that was part of the reason that, you know, myself and Muhammad both were like, we have to start this, we have to do something, because we feel like we were both better off 
than a lot of the other people that we were speaking to, especially speaking to them in person was something so, so strange, you know, in DC, meeting them and, um, you know, in New York, meeting them in pub, you know, these real human beings and they were suffering um, things that I couldn't have imagined. So certainly we don't represent, but I think that that's also, you know, uh, not my, my duty isn't to reflect in my own experience necessarily everything that every ex-Muslim has gone through or the average Muslim has gone through. Mm-hmm. It's just to do my best to understand it mm-hmm. um, to the extent that I can do my best to figure out what is the average ex-Muslim going through, you know, what are the needs of this population and then how we can best address them. I'm so glad uh, that you're like this because a lot of civil rights movement, uh, act, act, civil rights activists, they try to make it about them. Um, and you, you haven't fallen fallen into that especially a lot of people that talk to you always try to make that about you like how oh, how has it been so hard for you and i and i want more like more of the activists especially in western countries who were like yeah no it's not about me everything is i'm fine this is about other people this is like especially ex-muslim stuff this is a civil rights movement of our time of our time i think it's a number one it should be number one which it isn't so i'm glad that you guys are now becoming bigger and bigger and I think a lot of people miss your intention or our intention. They think like we're trying to tell people like, oh, look at our life. Everything is so hard for us. Where it's not, right? We're not no. doing this because we haven't, we haven't had hard. But, yeah. but we know that there's a problem. Yeah, I mean, let's say, you know, you have problems like let, there's, a, there's a homelessness problem. There's an addiction problem. Usually the people that are the most fit, afflicted right. by certain, you know, uh, social ills, they're not the ones that are out there speaking. They're usually the ones that have got away somehow, mm. that have recovered somehow. Those are miraculous stories. Those are hard hard to find people who are who have come out of that situation and they're whole and then they have the energy um, to to do something like that. So that's hard to find. They exist, of course, right. but it's hard to find. So really, it's up for the people that that were peripheral, like that where we were close enough that we could see it, you know, that it that it's not to say that I had to meet somebody, a stranger to see this. I knew it even when I was a Muslim. Right. I see, I saw it in my community. I saw people like this. I saw, you know, people in my family, extended family who were, who were living through things that I was just, I would hate, that would be hell for me to live the way that they lived. Right. So it was peripheral enough that it was, that it felt close, you mm-hmm. know, like it was felt near. It was within my line of sight, but not so close that I feel that I'm, uh, you know, I mean, and this is, I guess, a, even a privilege to be able to to be able to say this. But I feel like I I have enough distance to be able to approach it from an intellectual lens, which I think can be very very hard when you're super close. And I've noticed this yeah. with people who are ex-Muslims who have suffered so deeply, and it was recent. You know, it's I yeah. mean, it's different yeah. if you suffered deeply, but it's been ten years, it's been twenty years, you've recovered, you've moved on, versus it happened last year or it's happening now. It's happening to you now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think it, it it destabilizes you. It's a very normal thing, right? It's a very normal thing to, for that to happen. Such that you might not end up uh, being active in the way that would be most effective, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. in couching your message, you might say things in the way, the, the way that you want, what you want to say rather than what needs to be heard, right. which are... Those are different things, you know, there's a difference between what would really gratify me to get out there versus what is the lack um, in the public knowledge, you know, what it where is where is the biggest hole in the discourse that what what is the first plug that needs to be plugged right now, right? 
but, but it's it's actually almost a natural selection kind of thing that the people who will be talking about it will naturally be those who are able to talk about it more. So um, it is not really an accident or a coincidence that that people like us are talking about. The majority of people are talking about it are people like us because mm -hmm. both the people who are victimized, who are at threat of uh, you know from whether it's governments, societies, or just their families disowning them. They're not the ones who are generally going to be vocal. A lot of the majority of them are going to be closeted anyway. So the voices that you're genuinely going to hear, that you're generally going to hear, are just more likely to be the ones that are able to speak out. So a lot of times it's just a matter of, right, um, right. not a matter of will necessarily, but it's it's a matter of the people who end up. Uh, speaking out for it. Guys, can yeah. we move on to the upcoming conference that Sarah is having because we're getting close to the very end. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's and do that. I want to talk about the topics that, you know, like why that conference is happening and some interesting yeah. topics, yeah, and why people... So, so before, I have just one quick question for you before you, you go on. Like, you have this, uh, and this is something I've wanted to, I, I think we may have talked about before, but when, whenever you have new followers coming in, when you do a big appearance, you do have this little tweet thread where you talk about, you know, I'm liberal, I'm a feminist, uh, and this, you, you define yourself in in those terms, and you, and and it seems like you want to dissuade a lot of the sort of far right types. Why is that important to you? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's one of those things that happens every time. I've noticed that as my follower uh, count, my goal is not to just have more followers because if that was the case, just to have more fans throughout my you know platforms, you, right? it would be really easy to do that. I think it would be really easy to just repeat just repeat the same message, hammer it home again and again in the most dramatic fashion. Right. Um, and that would be, you know, and just, you know, f you know, uh, that would be the way to get a ton of followers really, really quickly. Um, but I, uh, there's a certain group of people that I want to be speaking to. There's a certain group of people who I want, I, I think that I can speak to. I think that they are the kinds of people who can change what's going on. And right. that's not necessarily the far right anywhere. I mean, not to say that, I would actually talk to them. Sure, I would talk to those mm -hmm. people. I don't mind talking to anybody. It's not. I don't. It's, there's nothing personal about it. But I think that there's there's a lever that I can pull. Right? There's a there's a group that I can speak to who speaks my language. I speak theirs, and I feel like they're the people who need to have who, who need to hear this. And so I want I want to be the kind of speaker and the kind of activist who is somewhat appealing to that group, or if I'm not appealing entirely, at least they're not disgusted by me right off the bat, right? If they're just mm -hmm. seeing, you know, these horrible tweets from me and then the far-right Hindu, like, whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever those on. guys are, right? And the, yeah, and, they're, and they have all these, you know, horrible, horrible memes about Muslims all over in my replies. People can't help but judge somebody, even though they shouldn't. Um, once you get to a certain follower count, especially on Twitter or on Facebook, you really can't control that anymore. Yeah. But to the extent that I can, I want to. I want to do what I can. I know that I'll lose track of it. I already have lost track of it to some degree. I can't. I mean, that's you can't put the you know the bull back in the whatever yeah. barn or whatever it is. Right, the saying is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I no, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Because I, I, I've always I, I remember I I feel like we talked about this before, but actually that's very important to me too. That's a place where that's a place where we bought the line. So, um, but, but but just to moving, be, just just to give credit to what, how I mean, you, I know it's hard to make it's hard to do that, but I think you have done a better job than most people. Like it's um, it's easier for people to dismiss me as um, I don't know far right or whatever, even though I don't understand why. 
but and uh, and Ali is usually I've seen dismissed as too far left. I see that uh, like they do that. Oh, I'm the regressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the regressive. Yeah. So it, it, people have boxed us into, and uh, but I don't see that with you, Sarah. I think a, a lot of people, the way you have uh, managed to you know present yourself, a lot of people from all sides do understand that you are you think about your positions very carefully and the way you present yourself <laughs> and it, they will look ridiculous if they do want to box you into any of these positions like they they, they are afraid of doing that because they know that they're they going to look ridiculous so th your attempts have paid off if that's what you're but to some to, well to some degree i mean there's i i mean i i hope that you know what everything you said was exactly right i mean i i'm not fooling myself Enough. Just I, I, I think that there's there are some people you can never win over who are waiting for you to trip. And you're a human being. You're going to, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to do something stupid, or you're going to be in a certain kind of mood for a couple of months um, because you've been smeared by the wrong person or something. You know, like we all that happens to all of us. Mm. Um, and I don't. I think it's very, very hard to maintain um, a balance. And I would never expect anyone to. And I, you know, now I've now that I've become that I've been a public figure for some time, I'm a lot more um, forgiving of other public figures, you know, when they, when they make mistakes, I'm like, you know what, maybe they're just having a bad day. <laughs> and they're just, you know, we're all, we're all human beings. Maybe we're just having a bad day, but I definitely, it's, so it's the, it's the, it's the, um, I guess the tension between what is the point of that, of my activism as a person. So it, I, on the one hand, I want to just speak my truth, whatever the, whatever that means, quote unquote, right? What a what a horrible thing to say, my truth, right? But just 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 speak oh, and to just means. get That's it out, right? Truth. Like just yeah. to yeah, just yeah. to what get you it out, and yeah. that it's just an expression platform, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that would be the the first way, right? And I think Armin, to some degree, that that's your approach a little bit. Is just this yeah. is your expression platform. You want to say whatever you want to say as you see it, you right. know, the truth as you see it. Um, for me, it's so, so to, just to clarify, it's not that I lie, you know, I never lie, but I choose not to partake <laughs> in certain conversations. You take your battles. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, unless I feel very, very confident that I can mm. defend myself, you know, unless I feel very, 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 so I have a very high bar of when I feel like it's right to poke into something. Of course, I don't always, I'm not like a perfect, again, I'm not perfect about this and sometimes I just poke into something stupid mm. um, but what what I what I do see that there's a duty there for public activists especially in the ex-muslim movement because I'm so I'm on like I'm on edge all the time I don't want to I don't want to mess this up you know we have a shot and we have a movement mm. and it's growing it's incredible but like you know like you were saying earlier Ali like that this is it's just wild to see that this this has had as much success as it has. And yeah, now I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and, and you're under scrutiny, too, right? I mean, everybody is. Like, with every tweet and every everybody thing is. that you say oh. is going to get dug up. Like, it's just... Yeah. And it's yeah. right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's impossible. We're human beings. It's an impossible standard. Mm. But people do, like, people will, if any of us, any of us at all tweet something stupid, um, the next day we're all going to get smeared, you know, and it, which is wild, which is just, I think it's so toxic. And this way of, this way of demonizing people for just the slightest, you know, um, miscalculations or just a, maybe a funny opinion. Mm. Um, 
is just i think it's so it's so disgusting that it happens nevertheless it does i think that <laughs> activist writer thing because i i don't really i i i'm more of a just a, a, I, I'm not really mobilizing anybody. That's not my thing. So I like joking around on stuff like tw for Twitter. It's just a joke thing. I mean, for serious, I wrote a book. That was it. That was me being serious. But I'm joking around, and people tend to hold every tweet to like New York Times journalism standards. Is like, wait, have you? I'm like, it's just a fucking joke. Like, I'm not. Uh, well, this is, I, I've it's, actually, it's I've gone, platform. I've, I've gone. I used to um, just not give a fuck about people smearing me, but now I've gone beyond not giving a fuck. I like, is this what you don't want me to say? And I'm go, I'm going purposefully going after the things that people don't want. Yeah, no, I mean, and I see a value in that, Armin. So it's not even. It's it's not. So I, you know, I hold the position that I hold, and I think par partially, I definitely. Um, do what I do because of my position as yeah. yes. again as executive director of the like I mean I don't think it's not a stretch to say at all that we're the we're the ex-Muslim organization that has like true muscle behind it right you know um, and we've been, like we've been around for some time and we can make like a we we have a, a big voice you know a big platform and i think that means that we have a big responsibility as well yeah, right. so and that's certainly a part of it so I, I but i i see value in what you're doing in the way that you approach things and i think some people should you know and i i just i i, I hate this practice of holding your enemies like you know accountable to to what you said you know uh, Ali, to a new york times j journalism yeah, okay. standard but you're holding your friends to completely different you exactly. know standards i think i think you should be approach everyone as if they're human and you know and see their their work as a holistic thing as this broad thing and and I, I'm shocked that this is so hard for people to accept and well, understand. You know, like, I, I get I get all of this uh, mail telling me like, why are you say, associating with Armin? You know, he's like sympathetic to Nazis or sympathetic to Zionists. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Nobody nobody knows which side he's sympathetic to. And then he's like far right. And then he gets all these messages like, why are you know Ali's yeah. total total well, that's regressive? That's the beauty about what you guys are doing. And I think that's, that's I think you so should continue fun. being you and continue doing this thing I, because I don't know how to be anybody else. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. So anyway, but I conference conference yes yeah, because we're running yeah, out so of time. The Rights and Religions Conference, uh, everybody who's listening, it's on October nineteenth, Saturday, October nineteenth, in New York City. Um, you have uh, two other uh, really impressive right. women that you're the working reason, with. Before you say that, the reason Armin, why you should go Armin. to this conference, the reason why you should go yeah. to this conference is because you haven't met, most of you that have followed Sarah, you haven't met Sarah, okay? Because when me and Ali and other people, when we go to Amsterdam and the panel is over and we go and have fun and we're drinking and we're eating and we're just talking, like Sarah has opinions on so many different things and they're so interesting. And I know that now that she's having a conference where she gets to control what she gets to say, I think now you're going to see the more interesting opinions that she's going to be able to present freely. Right. Like, I think like Sarah is an intellectual that is waiting to be discovered. She's way more Aww. than she's just way. <laughs> she, no, honestly, like, I'm not just saying that uh, just to become like she's she's not just the founder of Ex-Muslims of North America. She's a lot more, more, more than that. And I think this conference would be very, very interesting. So go check it out. If you're yeah. in New York, if you're in New York and you don't check out this conference, you're missing out. You're missing out. So, all right, go on, Ellie. Sorry. There's here. That's amazing, well, thank Armin. Thank you. Uh, so, there's. Uh, you're working with two actually pretty impressive women. The first is uh, Tora uh, Bontrager. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. 
and she was raised traditional Amish. And then Malky Schwartz, who, who I think I've I've met too before. Um, she was a founder of Footsteps, and now she's moving on doing other things. So you teamed up with them to actually do this conference called "When Rights and Religions Collide," mm-hmm. right? yeah, which, yeah, which is a fantastic title. So how how did you end up getting together with them and and yeah, you, so you guys do seem like you have a lot in common. Tora, um, Tora, she was raised. Um, uh, I think I think it was it's old order Amish. I think that I think that's a specific branch of, of of the Amish. But she was she was raised Amish, uh, traditionally Amish, and then she she's just her story. For those who want to look her up, she's just this incredible, like incredibly strong person who just who ran away and empowered herself um, and got a, got an education, and now. Um, as of, I think, I think it's been two years, but it's, it's relatively new. She just started an organization called the Amish Heritage Foundation, and um, she's assisting people who are leaving behind, you know, the Amish faith. And, and um, similar to what XMA is doing, not, not exactly right, but the spirit is, is, is the same, that there are people right. who are walking away and who need assistance, social assistance and support. Um, and she's also doing a lot of educational work. Um, she invited me to her inaugural conference um, a year ago, just it feels like forever ago, but it was a year ago. And I was so excited about this. It was such a weird little thing to be invited to. I didn't know about Amish at all, but it happened that I was doing an AMA or something or some sort of live thing. And there was somebody who asked me a question on it. And he was is ex-Amish. And he asked me about some ex-Amish related things. And it was a really interesting question. I answered that question. And then he he connected me with Torah and like um, was, I think, advocated for me to be on their little conference. And it was a small, small conference in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, like in the heart of Amish country there. And it was so fascinating to get a look into the life of, you know, or, or the experiences of people who are in this very, very, you know, like high control community. Um, and it, it, it was like walking into some like Alice in Wonderland kind of a thing where everything is similar, but it's not similar at all. Like it's completely different. It's completely warped, but it's also, <laughs> it's also things that you're familiar with, right? Like there's a cat. Yeah, yeah it's the same, but it's also, it's talking like it was just so, it was so like it was such a unique similar experience. Similar to the Muslim so... experience, you're saying, like similar to the Muslim experience, but also similar different. to Muslim, yeah, similar but to the Muslim different. experience. I don't, I don't think an outsider of somebody who has no experience with um, religions at all, like high control religions, it can can really, right. um, it can really feel like there's anything at all that that's the same. But to me, I felt that way, and right. it was fascinating to see that the same. Uh, the same kinds of appeals were there, but the particulars were different, right? The, like in the ways in which they manifested the same kind of social controls and shame and stigma and whatever, they manifested in different ways and became different traditions. But ultimately, they were touching on the same, uh, you know, right. fundamental, you know, human needs and um, wants and desires. And, you know, so it was that was so incredible so i i was there and malki was there as well and malki is a founder of footsteps and footsteps is an organization that assists ex hasidic um you know orthodox jews um uh, and so she she i think she has a similar experience where i was like wow there's such there's so much here that we have that's so similar and so it's so interesting that we have all these challenges when it comes to 
representing our population in a legal realm, right? And uh, especially in the United States where we have a lot of religious freedom, we have a lot of liberty and religious groups can, like something like the Westboro Baptist Church can exist in the United States where it might be banned in other places, right? I think it's banned in Canada, they like they can't enter. Um, mm. So there are other countries that have restrictions on speech, but we don't and we allow our religions to have uh, a lot of freedom, right? So in the, in the in the Amish context, that means that they're not educated past the eighth grade, which is wild. Like I think that's incredible yeah. that 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 exists. Yeah. No, I was gonna say there's a yeah. there's a community called in Kiryas Joel, and uh, it's a it's a, a Hasidic Jewish community where women are not allowed to drive. So all the law enforcement is part of the community. Everything is completely completely almost isolated in the middle of New York State. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, yeah. where that happens, so it's so you're you're right. I mean that, and, and the Westboro Baptist Church. I gotta say, I mean the U.S. The Supreme Court actually had this decision, an eight to one decision, where they said that they should be allowed to picket funerals as long as it's at a distance. But um, you're right, and it's a hard trade off because if mm-hmm. you have free speech, then it also allows all of these. I mean, we had Ron Miscavige on the show. He was a, the father of the guy who heads the Scientology Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, on, on this podcast, and he was talking about how he escaped and what a cult-like but, situation it was with the kids and everything the there as well. I mean, these slaves are... Yeah, go ahead. The similarities Armin. between these actually does suggest that what, what, uh, that these are not designed, right? Because the survival of the, these yeah. memes, um, mm-hmm. the ones that do survive are the ones that work perfectly with human yeah. psychology. And because humans... Yeah need and desire similar things and can be controlled in similar yeah. ways the exactly. same time types of tactics survive and that's why mm-hmm. muslims and all of a sudden jehovah's witnesses and mormons they end up using the same tactics even though they haven't talked to each other because it's not designed it's just a survival of the memes right right, right. and 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 our and our ex communities our individual ex communities mm-hmm. feel as if we're in similar boats even right. though they look very different but it's like you know we're 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 navigating the same paths together and so yeah. for 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 myself and Malki and Tora it was just this like we we got like a couple just a half an hour to just talk the three of us um at the end of that conference and it was just so interesting. We were, and we we all expressed um, different ways of saying the same thing, which is to say that we feel misunderstood by mainstream society. We feel as if there's a bystander effect that's happening in mainstream culture. But of course, right. yeah. you know, like that, that there's that there's these things that happen. But it's just them. It's just these all these little Amish. They're you know this is their culture, and it's so quaint. And look at the these practices. And now we get to learn about a different culture, mm. and that's it. And then you move on, and you don't think about the kid who never got educated past the eighth grade. And now, even if they wanted to leave, their path out would be incredibly difficult. You don't think about the Muslim girl who's been who's been covering since she was eight and doesn't know anything else and gets married by the time she's, you know, 17, 18. Or, or, and can, you know, and then, and, and, but, but it's just, it's just this culture. It's this, yeah. you know. Warren Jeffs and the, the Mormon community, like, you know, he was brought out and he'd been uh, getting married to all these underage girls, like not, not legally fundamentalist married, but, Mormons, yeah. yeah, fundamentalist Mormons. Yeah. So, and that's why I think the title of this actually really hits the nail on the head. The rights and religions, when rights and religions com- collide, and you know, we're all free speech activists, uh, ad, uh, advocates, and and we all want um, religious freedom. We all support that, right? Yeah. Even even though we're not religious. But uh, what do you do about these sort of societies that are these communities that are enclaves, uh-huh. uh, where yeah. there are kids? Right, they're be- being they're abused, right? 
nobody knows what's happening just because we're respecting their right to religious freedom. And, and you know, on a broader scale, we talk about circumcision here a lot. You know, it's simple. That's something on a mass scale that parents do to their kids as well. I, uh, it's it, the FGM thing is also the FGM I, I don't know. thing is pretty. I mean, that's an extreme case, right? I think it's easier to make a case on FGM. But you're right that there are a lot of these are a lot of tensions, and these are not questions. So one of the reasons I wanted to host this conference is that these are not questions I have answers to necessarily. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like well, they're true. They're yeah, truly something that I I don't I don't know where this line should be drawn, and I don't know. To what extent there should be legal differences, changes, or there should be social changes, or you know, like the government is involved, or social services are involved in a in a specific in some specific cases or instances. I mean, I think these are all these are really really interesting questions, and I'm kind of you know an extremist. I think we're you know as you said, Ellie, we're all free speech people. I think that's free to say. Um, I think I'm even. In that, even in that, um, the general ex-Muslims are usually free speech people. I think Absolutely. I would still be pretty singular. I think I would still be pretty singular that I'm pretty, I'm pretty far on the side of civil liberties, and yeah. it, it, to but, the extent that I call myself a civil libertarian, because that that actually is an identity that I would put on myself. But that that's something that. So for me, as somebody who's a civil libertarian, it's. Um, very hard to also think about the, the experiences of the ex-Muslims I know, like I know that they're suffering, you know, and it's very hard to then look the other way and say, well, don't we as a society have a responsibility? And I mean, is freedom for freedom's sake um, something that should be valued or yeah. is there a way to make a compromise or, you know, are there, you know, what is the point of having these, this, this free speech, um, you know, f fundamentalist approach anyway, I think these are worth, and I think the most interesting question to me is what constitutes a free choice, you know, and then you'll have, so you'll have Sam Harris who says there's no free, free, uh, free will, right? So there's, there, nobody's ever making a free speech. No, no, but that's, 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 Forget yeah. about that. But even but in the, in the discussion though, but... of the choices as we think, yeah, I actually agree with them. But in any case, even in, even so that aside, if we're thinking about choices in this, 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 the general mainstream public concept of, of choice, right? Uh, the first people who decided that we're going to be, we're going to adopt this Amish way of life, of life, they were, I think, the ones where you can say, without you know question that they had somewhat they had they had a choice they had a real choice to adopt these values and live this way of life the mm -hmm. second it became a community and they had kids mm -hmm. right who were up in that who were brought up in that lifestyle right then you have something that's different you yes. know i mean it, then the choice whatever a choice is becomes so much more complicated um no, it's not complicated it's not no no ali so wait ali, no 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 yeah. wait no i have to say this. the red line is pretty <laughs> the red line is pretty straightforward i think you have freedom you have freedom for yourself you don't own your kids you don't right, have you don't own your own you, kids you, do you own to something? No, 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 but the, the kids are, so kids aren't, they can't survive on their own, right? No. So we, we in our society think that if you are the guardian of someone, if you are responsible a response, for them, A good guardian. I think the government, when it comes to freedom, this is my red line. You have the freedom to do whatever you want to yourself or live the way you want or believe what you want. But guardians, we don't give 
we if if a parent starts beating the shit out of their kids, we don't be like, well, you're the guardian. No, the government starts. No, 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 the government. So I'm, I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm giving. I'm giving it. I'm giving it. No, 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 Ali, Ali, no. You have to wait. You have to wait. The reason why I'm giving such an extreme example is to say, like, when it comes to freedom. The, when it comes, where where does the government gets steps in? The government. What's the role of the government? The government's role is to, to protect its citizens from harm. Okay, and the main citizens that the government needs to protect are the ones that cannot protect themselves, which is, that's children. The, the parents are responsible. They're, they're the guardians of the children unless they're irresponsible as their role. But, if those you're are not, all, but those are all very, those are terms that are not as easy to, to define. What yeah, is, but that's what is obviously, what is harm? But that's are, obviously are, the place that we need to define them. Like when it comes to where the freedoms, where, where your freedoms stop, obviously it beca- your freedoms stop when it starts influencing another human being. Okay, and if the children, and if the children, especially the children, parents and kids, of course, everything I do is if I have if I have a kid, I'm setting an example for them. They're living in my house in a specific way. Okay, how general? I mean, that's a that's a very that's a very slippery slope you're walking. No, no, okay, okay, slippery slope. Just just no, 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 no. Slippery slope is a logical fallacy. Just reminder. But go on, Ellie. Okay, sure, Armin. So, as someone who has a kid, and it's actually I've worked with hospital. I used to do autopsies on on kids who died because of all kinds of reasons. Um, so, I'll, I'll, these things are actually they're legally defined, and you're right. It they really push them to one side. For instance, uh, if there is a life threatening illness, if a you know Jehovah's Witness comes in and the kid needs a blood transfusion to save their life, mm-hmm. then. The parental authority becomes completely dismissed. Yes. And then you go in and you right. give them the transfusion. Mm-hmm. However, if the kid or, just has an illness that's not necessarily life threatening mm-hmm. and they a blood transfusion would really, really help, but the parents say no religious reasons, mm-hmm. then they're gonna give them a substitute. They actually that's the point. It's a, it really they really push it to the point where it's actually life threatening. And that's a problem. That's where this whole rights and religions collide. So, right. thing I mean, it, well, maybe, well. so here's yeah. the thing. Maybe it isn't a problem. Legally. Right? Like maybe it isn't a problem. Maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. But so there, I think that. Uh, no, the, no, it the, is a problem. So, so yeah. I, I don't, I, yeah, well, is. so there's trade-offs, right? So well, it's, it, it is the case that, 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 you can you can set these lines and you can you can you can draw this line in the sand in a certain position, mm-hmm. but then they have indirect effects that mm-hmm. I am you know again as a civil libertarian uncomfortable with. Like I'm I'm uncomfortable with giving the government too much power, period. And I think that what 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 you're setting where you what you were saying, Armin. I mean that that alarm bells are going off in my head mm-hmm. when you're telling me that it's the government's. I mean it's the government's duty to prevent harm to their citizen i mean i think in a very specific sense yes but i think in a broad sense that could mean a lot of things right i mean you could you could say fascist governments could could say that we are preventing harm as we define it you know and (laughs) well an an example i mean i'm 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 a i'm a very no no I'm a, I'm actually I'm a free market capitalist. I know a lot of people hate that. Uh, I'm I'm for limited government, and I just think that it, 
Governments shouldn't run things. They, they should. The role of the government is to protect its citizens and protect and create an environment where everything could happen freely, like police, army. You know. But so I've, I'm for limiting the government's role. But I also understand the government needs to have a role, right? And yeah, these are the yeah, few yeah. areas where the government has to have a role. I think this is this is one yeah. of the. If kids are yeah. being mistreated, the government mm -hmm. has to be s step in. If kids are not being taken care of the government needs to step in i say that as somebody that is for limited government i'm saying yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the role of the government to step yeah, in here. Yeah. right 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 so, yeah, yeah. The, so i i mean so i that's one of the things that in, in the conference we're going to have our keynote speaker um is marcy hamilton who works for child usa which is a child like advocacy um like organization where she this is her focus that that the government she thinks are abandoning kids mm -hmm. in the united states especially under the guise of religious freedom and you you're, you have kids that are getting married when they're you know 14 years old um because they can have they have consent of the parents and the consent of the judge um and that's you know you can say that that that's that is deeply damaging i mean how how developed are 14 year olds how, how able are they is there a reason that we deny them um, such a, you know, such a and right. Then, so you know, yeah, and I think that the pro-life, pro-choice uh, thing becomes really interesting here, too. Because what you're saying is that, you know, parents, they don't have a choice in terms of what's going inside their body. But, you know, once right. it comes out, you know, they can do whatever you want to them. It's it's a really, it's a, it's it's sort of contradictory. From the libertarian mm -hmm. perspective, a mm -hmm. fetus, if they if you consider a fetus a human being, then from a libertarian perspective, well, they're not and a doing human. anything, I mean, they're not, they don't uh, have, well, yeah, yeah. Ar Armin, that's yeah. a controversy, that's the yeah. point. Right, so the thing is, if you consider that them that, then it is actually murder. Then they do think of it as murder. Uh, but for some reason, the same libertarians want to be completely hands off when it comes to these sort of enclave communities where the kids are. Those are, guys are aren't libertarians. You're talking yeah. about conservatives who are libertarians when they want to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yes, true. No, but that, that, that's my point. My point is, my yeah. point is yeah. that a lot of these people who think that they're libertarians are really not. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. the fact that you like Ron Paul and Rand Paul examples. Anyway, yeah. that's a different right. thing. Yeah. I'm gonna. You're anyway, out of, we're, we're, if anybody uh, that says it's my kids, I can raise them whoever and however I want. That's that's a red flag for me because I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, you don't own that. You, that's not your property. Uh, if you're not taking care of it properly, you need to be separated from that citizen of this country, which uh, me as the government is supposed to protect. Okay. That that yeah. oh, it's your kid. Well, it's my citizen. There you go. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm, I'm, I'm my kids to take care. So <laughs> I think it's I think it's really complicated. Right. I think it's really complicated, and I think that line is not as easy to draw as I, maybe it I should know it's be. not easy, and but that's, that's what we're so that's what we're here to investigate at right. this conference, and that's why we have a lot of interesting speakers, most of whom come from the perspective of I think they would come from the perspective of Armin, and you know, and I think probably Ali also that that and and, and mine right. To, I, I'm I, again I'm um. I'm split. I, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I don't know. This I conference exactly just where I became land. a lot more interesting. No, that, I was, I was that was the last word. No, that, is that going to be recorded? Be... No, no. Wait, I want to <laughs> oh, ask okay. about the conference. Is This conference seems, based on everything we're saying and discussing here, and seems like it's there's going to be a lot of nuance in this conference. And I'm, I'm going to miss it. I'm, not, I'm, I'm in Philippines. I'm not in New York. But is it going to be recorded? 
it's going to be recorded. We're going to have them eventually up on YouTube. But again, it's like we would prefer yeah. the people are there in person so we can have it's, it's small. It's going to be intimate on purpose by design. It's right. it's intimate. Um, so I think there should be a lot of good conversations, so, um, a lot of and, and of course, the perspectives are heavy from the uh, from people who are recovering from religion. Hmm. So there is that voice is going to be. Right. Uh, loud and proud and i think that it doesn't always get um right. enough uh, right so i'm being selfish because i can't be there i want it to be recorded but guys if you're in new york and you say like oh it's going to be recorded so i'm not going to go you're being a very you're being very selfish okay because even if you first of all please Don't. record it please record it if you're recording it release it like six months later so like so there's some motivation for people to go but also just go there even if you think you're going to see it on, online somewhere you have to buy the ticket to this if you're in new york if you want more conferences like this to happen you have to make them financially feasible for more conferences like this to happen yeah. so go yeah. there so that you can at least support this conference so that you can see more of it happening in the future please like we need more of yeah. this right right yeah yeah so yeah. i and i think if you like this conversation that was happening that i had to sorry i had to cattle prod because i'm trying to keep time yeah. as well yeah, Thank so you. I, yeah my my apologies for that but uh, but if you want to hear more of it, I mean th that was a teaser, and you're gonna hear because I think this is a, yeah. a, this is an absolutely fascinating conversation as a as a pathologist and as a, like we used to have this conversation all the time because you know we had to go to courts and provide reports on you know autopsies and things like that. So it's something that's actually very interesting to me personally. So anyway, we're gonna take just two patron questions. Sarah, are you okay with that? Sure, sure, let's okay. do it. Sorry to the rest of the patrons who asked more questions, but um, so the first one's from Stephen T. He's saying, besides donating money to ex-Muslims of North America, what is the next best thing for other atheists who aren't ex-Muslims to do to support ex-Muslims? Um, well, I mean, the easy question is share our work, right? But also um, participate in the dialogue. I think that there are a lot of people and we have this culture of not participating and not talking about this if you don't belong, if you don't come from that specific community. But I think that's just not true. And lead by example by getting, you know, being messy and being brave and <laughs> and have the conversation that you want to have. And maybe you'll you maybe you'll just muck it up and it'll be terrible. But it's we have to all participate in in issues that affect all of us and in islam definitely does so we should we should all be having these conversations okay perfect um and uh, sohan is asking this is the last one uh and uh, this i guess is to both of you not to start this conversation up again but i'm having okay. a question uh. Uh, how much <laughs> how much nice should a religion have before you stop calling it sugarcoating, ten percent, fifty percent, ninety percent. Okay, so my, my problem was with the literal word sugarcoating because yeah. it it implies design, right? And Advil is covered in huh. sugar, so that you don't eat the bitter in the in the, so you don't you don't taste the bitter and you can swallow it easily. If you suck on an Advil for like ten seconds, you'll taste the bitter. The sugar will go away, yeah. and then yeah. you'll and then you'll have the bitter, and you'll be like, and you'll want to vomit immediately, right? What I didn't like about that term is that mm. it implied as if as if there's a real rotten inner core that's hidden. But I think that's not hidden. I think they're all infused and it's just this this that's it's, what's it's so a insidious beer. It's a, about it. That's yeah. what's insidious about it. I think that's what makes it very what's a very 
difficult problem and kind of intractable to some degree, right? So if we're we're all secularists trying to trying to do what we can to remove religious influence in our life, and I think it's it is a harder it's a harder deal than what is just presented by saying, oh well, uh, they're liars and they don't tell the truth oh, and they're no, abusing no, no. young women. And, right? yeah. and I'm not not saying that Armin was saying that. I'm just yeah. saying that um, I think it's important to. I think it's important to acknowledge uh, the aspects of that religion gets right. That when that when it gets them really right, and how it gets them right, and to yeah. understand deeply, you know, in, in in you know, looking at it from the from their perspective, mm. and you know, in in the perspective of a, of a of an ideological meme surviving. So you, you can investigate them both those perspectives. But if the sugarcoating thing, the reason I push back on them is because to me, it's it's very much like. Oh, these religious people—they're just trying to—they're no, trying to trick no, no, people. No. And I know—I know that's what you're not saying, but—but no. but it struck me that way, which is right. why. I, <laughs> I but I try that. to always make that clear that I don't imply design. But the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just looks design. Sugar coating implies it. Sugar coating implies it. I'm okay, can I? I, yeah. I will mention sugar coating, but I also keep adding that I, I always mention that I don't think these are designed. I keep telling my meme the, the the survival of the memes. It looks designed just like in evolution. You see things that it looks designed, even though it's not designed. And I do agree, religions things things get right. I just try to take take those and say like we don't. We, that that I don't want people to use that as a way to promote religion. The things that they get right, I want to take those things and show people how they're possible without religion, and they're done mm -hmm. in better ways without religion. But um, right. I'm not going to continue. I know Ali is trying to make me stop. But can we read some of the compliments? Can I read some of the compliments in the? the yeah, yeah, go for it. Go okay, for Sean it. is saying, Sarah, you're you're an inspirational. You're an inspiration. Love your courage, views, uh, humanity. Where, where did it go? Uh, and activism, thank you for hanging out with us too. Jim is saying, I could listen to Sarah, an intellectual waiting to be found. Oh, that's quoting me, what I said. Uh, I, uh, for hours, she is uh, rational and doesn't pretend to know or have all the answers. There's a lot more compliments here, but I just read two of them. But yeah. Okay, so, thank, you. That, thank yeah. you. that was a nice way to end <laughs> the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so, Sarah, yeah, thank you very much. We're going to put a link to the conference and everything else, all the other good stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Um, any, anything in the future for XMA, anything you want to announce uh, before uh, we go? I mean, we, we have a report coming up that'll be really fascinating. I'll be sure to tell you guys about it when it happens. And then maybe myself or Muhammad or someone can be back up on to discuss it. I think that'll be really, really fascinating to your listeners so that's coming up for sure um yeah lots of things in the works keep stay tuned follow our mailing list go on xmuslims.org and sign up X and you'll you'll, you'll hear about what's it what's the url uh it, the website is xmuslims.org and then all of our handles for all of our social media accounts are xmuslims.org that's okay. what they all are so look up xmuslims.org and you'll find us right excellent and just one okay. last thing thanks to our patrons in the live chat and the ones that didn't manage to come watch listen to this live you guys make these conversations possible thank you thank you thank you thank you and if you're not a patron please consider becoming uh, one today Okay. And thanks very much, Sarah. Stay on for just a second. And then, uh, okay, we're going to say bye. See you guys next time. The Secular Jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends. Write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions. Or head over to secularjihadist.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. 
have your questions read and answered on the air, and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you.